Thank you for listening to this Table Church Sermon Podcast. We are in a series on prayer right now called Praying for a Change. Now, many of us are praying for something to change, but we aren't sure how to do it. Others of us barely pray and need to start praying for a change. This series is intended to help with both. So come learn with us as we develop a hunger for God in prayer, as well as some practical tools to help us pray better. And as always, if you need anything, please find us at our website, tablechurchdsm.org. Now please enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, Table Church. My name is Jonathan. I serve with Rise Up, and I'll be reading today's scripture, which is from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 16, and it is the Lord's Prayer. So I'll read first in Swahili and then in English. Masomo yetu ya leo yanatoka katika kitabu cha Mathayo mlango wa sita, mstari wa 9 hadi 13. Yesu akasema, "Basi mnaposali ombeni hivi, baba yetu liye juu mbinguni, jina lako litukuzwe, falme wako uje, mapenzi yako yafanyike hapa duniani kama ilivyo mbinguni. Utupatie riziki yetu ya siku ya leo na utusamehe dhambi zetu jinsi tunavyosamehe waliotukosea. Na usitutie majaribuni, bali utuke kutokana na mwovu shetani." In English, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And thank you, Jonathan. Well, a few things that I want to mention real quick. First of all, I hear that parking was getting a little low out there. Um, that's great. We've never had this problem before, so that's, this is fun. Uh, but I just want you to know that should it happen again, you can park across the street behind Lamy. Uh, that's available to us as well and quite convenient too. So thank you so much for coming today. It's wonderful to have all of you here. Also, we have uh, the second week of the men's prayer group today at uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but the Hawkeye women are going to the national championship. So, go Hawks. That's today at 2.30. So, guys, I'm going to be there at the ministry center at 2.30 with the game on. You can come and join me if you want. And when the game's over, we'll get on to our, our prayer class. I don't, usually, I don't usually recommend letting sports like Trump prayer, you know. And that's not what we're doing, but... We're making a little exception. We're going to adjust our schedule just a little uh, for, for this particular event, okay? I'm excited. Um, you know, it, it's often assumed, we're in a series right now on prayer, and it's often assumed that prayer is like going out of style, that, that less and less people are praying today, um, that it's like losing ground before the inevitable march of secularism. You know, nothing could be further from the truth. Pete Gregg puts it like this. He says, on Mount Athos, 2,000 meters above the Aegean Sea, big bearded Orthodox monks are praying as they have done for 1,800 years. About 11 miles north of Lagos, more than a million Nigerian Christians are gathering for a monthly prayer meeting at the vast campus of the redeemed Christian Church of God. On the banks of the river Ganges and Varanasi, Hindu pilgrims plunging into sacred waters are seeking cleansing and hope. Somewhere in Manhattan, a group of addicts in a 12-step program is seeking through prayer and meditation to improve their conscious contact with God. One person in every four prays the Lord's Prayer on Easter Sunday alone. One person in every six bows toward Mecca up to five times a day. Hasidic Jews stand at Jerusalem's wailing wall, dressed in black, rocking to and fro. 
In front of them, between the giant stones of Herod's temple, thousands of handwritten prayers are wedged between the bricks. Listen, as a human behavior, prayer isn't going anywhere. Although traditional religious expressions, perhaps, in in our little corner of the world, in our little corner of human history, this modern age that we live in, traditional religious expression like attending church or something like that is decreasing, but research shows an increase in spiritual beliefs and spirituality in general. You know, if anything's going out of style globally, not praying is what is going out of style. Here's my point. Praying is not weird. Not praying is weird, (laughs) at least if what we're saying is what most people do. Abraham Heschel, he's he's a rabbi. He says, prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. Prayer just kind of springs from us. It wells up within us. And it's just something that all humans seem to do, or at least almost all. And we always have, and I think we probably always will. To be human is to pray. But just because it is universal doesn't mean that we don't have something to learn about prayer. In fact, the Bible teaches that we can learn to pray. The disciples come and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he gives them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. What this means is that it is a skill we can apparently develop. You can be better at prayer next year than you are right now. Now, is prayer therefore something that you can master? No, I don't think it is. Teresa of Avila, many, many years ago, says that we are all just beginners in prayer. That's all we ever will be, is just beginners in prayer. But it is something that you can improve at. And so when the disciples ask Jesus how to pray, he gives them the Lord's Prayer. Now think about this for a second. Of the billions of prayers that are being prayed, have been prayed, there is one prayer that God himself hands us and says, look, here's how it's done. The Lord's Prayer is a precious gift. It's it's literally God saying, here's how you do it. And so Christians have taken this prayer, and we've often used it like a template. Um, Each line can kind of become like a springboard into constructing your own prayers. And that's a wonderful way to pray. But we've also just prayed that literal prayer. And there's stories of Christians who who are about to be killed for their faith on their knees. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like, this is a wonderful gift that God has given us. It is powerful. It is a weapon in prayer. Now, when I sat down to write the sermon, I thought, I'm going to write a sermon on the Lord's Prayer today. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I just said. I'm going to take, like, each clause, and I'm going to, you know, we're just going to kind of examine each, each line of the prayer, and that'll be the sermon. Easy enough. I only made it through the first two words. So you got a sermon today on two words, our Father. Maybe sometime we'll come back and do the rest of the Lord's Prayer. We probably will, actually. Um, but that's all. We're, we're only, we're only going to make it through the first two words today. Now, here's what I think we can take from those two words. I think Jesus is telling us here that we should pray as though God actually wants to hear your prayers, because he does. That's what our Father means to me. When Jesus tells us to start our prayers with our Father, I think he's telling us that we should pray like God actually wants to hear our prayers. 
In college, I majored in church music. Church music. So that's like you're preparing to be a worship director or worship leader at a church. And, um, you know, there's this kind of eternal debate within that world about the lyrics, the, the words that many of our songs that we sing to God have. And on one side of the debate, you've got the folks who are nauseated at all of the almost romantic and self-centered language that is in lots of our worship songs. Think about it for a second, like songs like, draw me close to you and never let me go. Like they're saying, is this about God or is this about your girlfriend? Because I can't really tell right now, you know? And they kind of have a point. I, I think they're largely right about that. But then you've got the other side, they're like, no, look at all of the burdens and all the anxiety that people carry with them. People need to know that God is near and that he is compassionate and kind and that he loves them. And also, they have the Psalms on their side. Look at the Psalms, all the stuff that, you know, they talk about them. David talks about himself all the time in the Psalms. And, you know, they're largely right about that too. And so, and so which is it? Do we pray to a God of holy, transcendent power or to a God of tender compassion and intimacy? And, of course, the answer is, yup. <laughs> it's both, isn't it? And one of the things I love about the Lord's Prayer is it keeps both of these kind of tensions perfectly balanced. Jesus starts the Lord's Prayer with these two breathtaking words, Our Father. And then he immediately proceeds to say, Hallowed be thy name. Or in the NIV, Hallowed be your name. I love it. They're like, we're going we're gonna to make it for a contemporary audience. We're not going to say thy. We're going to say your but we're going to keep hallowed. <laughs> it just means your name is holy. We sanctify. We set your name apart. It is unlike any other name. You are unlike any other God. You are holy. We hallow you, God. Now, as we get into this sermon and I talk about these words, it's our Father. I want you to know that, look, Jesus probably spoke Aramaic, which means that the word for Father would have been the word Abba, saying our Abba. Abba is a word, it's a domestic word from like the home. And so it carries like very strong connotations of intimacy and love. And so a couple disclaimers that I want to make here. I want to talk about this, this intimacy that God the Father has, wants to have with us. But I also want to be clear, the Lord's Prayer, like I just said, it keeps us from getting too casual with God. In the very next line, hallowed be your name. Now, we'll come back to that probably in, in a future sermon and talk about that kind of that end of things. But um, we serve both a gentle, compassionate God who wants an intimate relationship with you, who is also the all-powerful and holy creator of everything, and who gets final say on everything as well. Both of those things are true. Here's the second disclaimer. The word father is not a helpful term for many of us, and I realize that. For many of us, fathers are not loving. And so this is a difficult thing to preach on because while the word is there in the text, we must remember that God the Father is not a human male and that at some level, all of our language about God has a metaphorical aspect to it. God is, of course, beyond gender, but the point is God's nearness and compassion to us. 
That's what we're trying to get at here with this word. And so if you have a hard time with the word father, maybe you don't say father, maybe you just say Abba. Maybe that kind of distinguishing from another language or that separation into another language is helpful. Maybe you have to, you know, draw from a different, something else, like a mother or a grandparent or something like that. Like, where can you work from? Let that be the basis in order to work toward an understanding of God's love for you. And slowly over time, perhaps you come to embrace God as your Abba. Brennan Manning writes this. He says, if I am not in touch with my own belovedness, then I cannot touch the sacredness of others. And I think this is true. I think that our faith has to start square one. The foundation has to be God's love for you, that God loves you. He is your Abba. He wants what's good for you. And if we start any other place, like we're going to veer off into chaos. It has to start there. We have to get that truth on lockdown, not only in our minds, but in our hearts as well. God loves me. I am the beloved of God. He is my Abba. And so if you just got to sit in those two words for a while and kind of let the Holy Spirit work in your heart about that, I would encourage you to do that. If you got to just pray those two words for a while, just meditate on those two words for a while before moving on, I think that's okay because it's so important. Ask God to make his love real to you. Now, some scholars have argued that when Jesus calls God Abba, that this would have been very scandalous at the time that, uh, you know, people would say, how could you speak so casually about God? There's a debate around that. I'm not sure how true it is um, because there's a huge tradition in, in Jew, ancient Jewish literature. Just read the Psalms uh, where God is understood as this kind of compassionate and tender and near and loving. You know, the, the, one of my favorite Hebrew words is chesed. Uh, chesed means loving kindness, and it's all over the place in the Psalms, God's loving kindness. And so this, what the, what it, whether or not the word Abba was very popular, the, what it means certainly was. We have this everywhere in the Old Testament. However, what is very unique about the way Jesus starts the Lord's Prayer is that he addresses God as Abba almost exclusively in all of his prayers. Now, this is, very, this is very unique. Scott McKnight says that every prayer of Jesus' that's recorded in the Gospels starts with the word Father, either the Aramaic Abba or the Greek Pater. It starts with the word Father. Every single one of his prayers in the Gospels, all except for one, which is the cry of dereliction from the cross, where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Otherwise, all of his prayers start with the word Father. And that's remarkable. Nowhere else do we have a parallel like that in ancient Jewish literature. And so we're learning something unique about prayer from Jesus. Many prayers at the time focused exclusively on God's transcendence, on, on his power, on his holiness. And Jesus is like, yeah, I focus on that too, but start with Abba. There's an ancient prayer called the Kaddish and it would have been a very common ancient prayer. Jesus would have prayed this prayer. Paul, Peter would have prayed this prayer. It's like the Lord's Prayer of the time. Everybody kind of knew this prayer. Here's how it begins. It says, magnified and sanctified be his great name. That's the first line of the Kaddish. And so at the time, people would have been like, now that, that's how you start a prayer right there. And Jesus says, yeah, but don't forget Abba. And so every prayer he prays, except for one, 
He starts with Father. Now, of course, it's one thing for Jesus to address him that way. He's the Son of God. <laughs> what about us? This is what makes this prayer even more remarkable to me. Listen, Jesus instructs us to address God the same way he addressed God. Isn't that something? In fact, sprinkled all throughout the Gospels, there's this expectation that Jesus seems to have that what he has with the Father, we not only can, but we should have with the Father. That Jesus' connection to the Father isn't simply unique, it's not some special privilege of his, but it's something that we can have as well. Now, how is this possible? One of Paul's favorite ways to describe Christians in his letters in the New Testament is that he will describe us as in Christ. He says, we are now located in Christ somehow, in some way. Don't ask me to give a metaphysical explanation of what that is. I don't know. It's just all I know is that's what he said. We're in Christ, he says. That is for Paul. That is what it means to be saved. That's salvation, to be in Christ. He says in Romans 8, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we are in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says in a few verses later. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption, and by him we cry what? Abba, Father. And so we can say Abba through Jesus. Because of what he has done for us, because of our location in Christ, we get to say this. That's huge. That's, that's a really astounding truth. You see, in the ancient world, the big question then was not, does God exist? This is we moderns, um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on that. They didn't spend as much time on it back then. It wasn't so much, does God exist? Everyone assumed there to be a God or gods or something to that level. The question, the big question was, can I know him? Can I know him? Does he even care to communicate with me? Will he be there when I pray? Will he listen to me when I call to him? And Jesus reminds us that not only is, yes, this God is knowable, but we can call him Abba. He's close, he cares, and he wants to be with us. This God does not just hear our prayers, he wants to hear our prayers. In Jesus' day, people of like, the pagan religions at the time, they would often pray these big, long-winded, um, elaborate prayers um, because they believed that they must try to convince their gods to hear them. And so you got to perform well when you come before your God. In fact, you might remember a few weeks ago we talked about the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, and he kind of has this face-off with 450 prophets of the god Baal. And these other prophets, they are praying to Baal that he would send fire from heaven upon the altar. And they start out, and they're praying to him, and nothing happens. And so soon they start to shout, and still nothing happens. And they start to dance, and still nothing happens. So they start to cut themselves in the hopes that they could somehow get this God of theirs to hear them. Jesus bluntly tells us not to do that. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. He's saying, look, this isn't, that's not what God is like. You don't need to do that. You don't have to perform for him. He's already listening. 
He wants to hear you. He is your Abba. I wonder how many of us avoid prayer because we don't think our hearts are right for it. Because we don't think we're very good at it. Or that we won't have the right words to say or that God probably doesn't want to hear it. Maybe we just feel a little silly sitting in our rooms talking to ourselves. Maybe you feel ashamed before God. Listen, I want to be clear. If that's how you feel, that's not Christianity. That's something else. Whenever we think to ourselves that we have to present in a certain way before God cares to listen, then I think we've missed so much of what Jesus wants us to understand. I, uh, I keep a prayer journal. It's, it's nothing fancy. It says Awaken Network. That's the church planting network that we're a part of. And it reminds me to pray for what God is doing through these other churches throughout the country that are like us, just recently started. And um, I just thought I'd flip through it one day and look back on some of my prayers from January 1st until now. And, uh, you know, sometimes you feel silly doing that. You're like, really? What? That was what I was worried about? It just seems so small. And it wasn't small at the time, though. And God cared about it. There's a few of them. A few months ago, I told you that I'd started playing chess as a hobby. I've been enjoying learning how to play chess better. And, uh, you know, chess is hard. I play online. And the thing I've learned is that I do not like to lose. When you lose chess, you can't blame the refs or the weather. Like, you're just not as good as them. That's all there is to it. And that, that is hard sometimes. And so one day in prayer, I, I thought, I brought that up to God. I said, God, I feel lousy because I lose a lot in chess. And, it's, and I wrote this. I felt like God said to me, you know, Phil, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you need to lose a little bit. Maybe you need to humble yourself a little bit and stop making such a big deal of yourself, Wiseman. So that was one of my prayers. Another day, our toilet broke. And I'm, look, I'm not, I had to fix it. I'm not a handy guy. I don't, I don't know how to do these things very well. And so this is a point of humility for me as well. And I literally prayed that night, God, please fix my toilet so I don't have to worry about it tomorrow. <laughs> and I said to Natalie, I was like, I'm praying that God's going to heal our toilet tonight. <laughs> and the next day I woke up, it was still broken. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to figure this out. So I did a little research, went to Ace and got a part. You know what? I fixed the toilet. Like, I wonder if maybe sometimes it's not that, like, it's not that I'm not handy. It's that I'm just kind of lazy. And God is like, Phil, step up, man. Figure something out here. Here's a line from my journal on February 27th. I said, God, you are good. My sermon yesterday was kind of lousy, but I think you still did something. Smiley face. Like, I'm just being honest with God in the moment. There was another day I was distracted in worship. I remember that morning being back here just unable to focus. I had other things on my mind that I was about to come out here and preach to you all, and I just wasn't in it at all. And I, I asked God to forgive me for that, I, and I vowed in my prayer journal. I said, look, I'm, I'm only ever going to bring my A game on Sunday. You're worth it. This time is for you, God. Forgive me. 
One day I fasted, didn't eat, and I just talked about how hungry I was in my prayer journal. Um, I, it, this one's kind of cool. I had back, I've had back problems for years, and on February 7th, I asked God to heal my back in my prayer. I said, God, Lord, would you, just, would you do something here? This is miserable. Would you heal my back? And when I got back to my desk, I was praying in our conference room in the ministry center, and when I sat down back at my desk, I had a voicemail on my phone. The voicemail was from our doctor's office. I had been there three or four weeks earlier for a checkup, and I mentioned my back to the doctor, and he said, well, I could put in a, a physical therapy order for you if you'd like. Uh, I was like, okay, sure, but then I never followed up with it. You know how it goes, right? Like, for some reason, making an appointment is the hardest thing in the world. And so I, I never made an appointment, but I got back to my desk, and it was my doctor's office calling to see if, they, if following up, to say, hey, would you like us to make an appointment for you? And I thought, okay. So I called them back, and uh, they set up an appointment for me with a physical therapist, and, and I've been going, and my back feels better than it has in years. Like, I've tried all sorts of things, and it's just a, like an immediate relief for me. And I thought, man, like, here's God, like, partnering with me to answer my prayers, you know, but no question that the timing of it was remarkable as I was praying for my back that I, that I got that, that voicemail on my phone. One day I asked God to forgive me for being whiny, and then I proceeded to whine to him some more. Uh, so, look, I've, I've said a lot, but the point here is simply this. We need to be honest with God. He's your Abba, and, and he's not going to turn you away any more than I turn my kids away when I pick them up from school and I say, how was your day? Like, this is the heart that he comes to us with. The part of him, part of being honest with God is, is also being open to correction. Sometimes he corrects us, right? Like he did with me and, you know, losing in chess. Like, sometimes he has a hard lesson for us to learn. But here's the thing that I've found. Even that is, is exciting when you understand that God is your Allah because you know that he only has your best interests in heart. And it's exciting because it's like, oh, God is actually speaking to me here. Even if it's something hard, he's speaking to me. That's cool. One day I felt God tell me this, and this was kind of a, this was a heavy one for me a little bit, but also kind of awesome. Uh, God told me one day, he said, uh, Phil, and of course when I say God tell, told me, it's like mediated through my own human experiences and thoughts and everything, and I think on faith that this was God speaking to me. But I felt like he was saying, Phil, you're a good preacher, but you're not an anointed preacher. It's like, ooh, how do I level up? <laughs> you know, how do I go up a notch then? How do I get to the anointed level, God? Tell me. And he was like, I'm not sure you're ready for that. Now, I know some of y'all, you're really nice people and you're, you're going to come up afterwards and you're going to be like, oh, Phil, you're anointed. <laughs> yeah, your sermons are so nice. I like it when you talk about the history and stuff. Yeah, you're going to say that stuff to me, but that's the point. You know what? Anointing isn't nice. Anointing steps on toes. Anointing brings fire sometimes, and sometimes people don't want to be around it. Anointing can bring pain. And God said, are you, are you fully surrendered? Is that really something that you want, Phil, or would you rather just stay nice? And that's something that God is using to work in me a lot. Here's the point. When you know that God is your Abba, even, even correction can be a joyful thing. Because now that I heard that from God, I'm like, okay, God, cool. We've got some work to do together. I'm excited to go through this with my, with my Abba. 
Scott McKnight says this. He says, the proof of one's theology is in prayer. The proof of one's theology is in prayer. In other words, you want to know what you really believe about God? Take a step back and look at your prayer life. They'll tell you everything you need to know. If your prayer life is kind of spotty, sketchy at best, that might mean that you don't really in your heart believe that God is involved in your life and in this world. That you don't really deep down actually think that God wants to make a difference. Maybe you have more of a deistic understanding of God. He's, he's distant and he's far off, far removed. Maybe if your prayer is super, super casual, you're like, yeah, Jesus is my homeboy all the time, you know? Like maybe what you need in your theology is a little bit of hallowed be your name. If your prayer life is super formal and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can say what I really feel to God, maybe you need a little bit of Abba, our Father. The proof of your theology is in your prayer. So what do you really believe about God? Look at your prayer life and then it'll tell you everything you need to know. How, based on how you pray, what do you actually believe about who he is? And so let me say one more time our point today. Pray as though God actually wants to hear your prayer because he does. He is your Abba. Now as we wrap up, I, I just want to say I, it's a good chance that somebody here doesn't know that God is their Abba, doesn't know God in this way, maybe doesn't know God at all, and you would like to, and I want to invite you to make that commitment today. I promise you, he has nothing but your best intentions in mind. Sometimes learning what that looks like and how that works is that, well, that's part of the journey of faith. Um, but he is a good, good father. And I want you to know him if you don't. And so it's very simple. I'm going to pray in a moment, and I invite you to pray this prayer with me if you'd like. And if you've got a connection card, you can circle the cross on the connection card, and that'll kind of be your signal to me that you made this commitment today. And I'll, I'll reach out to you just simply because I just want to have a conversation and, and help you understand more what it means to follow Jesus and to live your life with God as your Abba. And it's a wonderful life. So if you're willing to do that, would you circle that cross? Somehow let us know. You come up to me. You can email me later in the week. Whatever you want to do, just let us know so that we can walk with you as, as the church in this, in this adventure that is following Jesus. So pray with me. Our Father, we come before you today lifting your name, sanctifying your name, declaring that you are all-powerful and that you are almighty. You are also all around us. You are with us everywhere we go. And so God, I pray that your kingdom would come today in some meaningful way to the hearts of those that need you the most, that there's somebody here today who's like, I don't have that kind of relationship with this God, but that sure sounds nice. God, would you please grant it to them as they come before you in faith? Would you assure them that you are with them? And Lord, I pray for those of us who have needs, that you would meet them as well. There are those of us here who are, who are sick. I pray for healing, Lord, in your name. There's those of us today who have real financial challenges and stress. Lord, I pray that you would be a provider for them. 
And Lord, that when these things happen, it would be a signpost of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and that we would give you all the glory for it. And God, we come to you today acknowledging our sin, knowing that we are far from perfect and we ask your forgiveness for that sin. And God, that you would give us the grace to forgive others who who harm us as well. And may we walk away from here remembering that this whole thing that we call reality is in your hands. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.